0: Well, are you guys ready to get in the word a little bit? You know, what's so funny. Until I pioneered this church, uh, and, or until we started and God birthed this church, I never taught on end times one time in my whole life. See, God's placed in you and I as a last generation of the church age person. There's things in us. There's graces in us. And and there's some reasons to teach on this. And I just want to kind of finish this up this week. I'm really, to be honest with you, these three weeks that we're talking about the coming of the Lord, I'm really hoping that it's laying a foundation in your life to get your heart ready, really, for the next series that we start next week. And we are going to start a series on the authority of the believer. And we're going to really get into these things. Uh, Because you have to know where you're seated in in this life. There's prophetic signposts They're everywhere that they're telling us that we're living in the final days in the last days or As the greek word really brings it out the final days the end of days We're living in the season of the return of jesus christ to the planet when we say second coming Really, there's two parts to the second coming. The first coming, we just celebrated, right? He came to this earth. He died on a cross. He rose again. He redeemed us. The second coming, you could break up into two parts. The first part of that, Jesus does not come to the planet physically. He comes and we are caught in the air to be with the Lord. We call that the rapture of the church or the catching away of the church seven years later is at the end of this what's called jacob's wrath this seven year tribulation period daniel's 70th week from that prophecy and again we're not going to go into that 70 week prophecy again go online and listen to those last two uh, messages because we've got really into some different things that are very very important but then that's where jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom the millennial reign of Christ on the earth for a thousand years. In other words, the church age, the age of the dispensation of grace is coming to an end. We're living at that time. Right now, we're in the age of grace. We're in the church age. Right now, this is wonderful. It's a wonderful time for the church. But the tribulation period, Daniel's 70th week, It's called the tribulation period. Really, that's the seven years. The last three and a half years of that are called the great tribulation. And boy, I'll tell you, it doesn't take a spiritual giant to see that the world is being set up for that right now. So why am I saying all this? Now, more than ever before, is the time. It's time to put God first place in your life. It's time to get your priorities straight. It's time for you to make sure that you get in place and position yourself where you are to be. You know, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And I'm telling you, it burns in my heart as a pastor living in this time to see Christ formed in you so that you can withstand and walk as light in this world, not moved by what's going on. You know, I've always, I've looked at, looked at all the different, there's the pre-trib rapture, there's people that believe in a mid-trib rapture, which I do too, it's in there, you know. Uh, that's where the 144,000 are raptured. Some people believe in a rapture at the very end of the tribulation. Uh, that's when the church is raptured well. That's not when the church is raptured. But I do believe in an end of the tribulation rapture. The, the two witnesses will be taken out. That's a rapture. And uh, if you want to know more about that. We teach on the book of revelations. It's on our website. It's on our app. Um, but here is the most important thing. You know. God. Is going to catch us out of here. Before it really really gets crazy. But But I've always preached that we don't know how crazy it might get before we're out of here. And I told the Lord about a year ago, I'm like, darn it. I just had no idea that it could even get bad, you know? Because we kind of live in America and, and all this other stuff. But I'm telling you, the Lord comforts our hearts. And this is the other reason why we teach these things, to comfort you. You have to know God, God literally commands us to know the season. We've been talking about the season. But we are about to go from faith to sight. We're about to see him face to face. Boy, I can't wait. But I got to tell you, I don't want people to go through the tribulation period. I mean, I've, from what I've studied and, and my limited Knowledge of the tribulation period, I don't want anything to do with it. Just think about it for one second. What would happen to this world if every Christian on this planet was removed? Do you think, I mean, the world would be going, yes. Satan would be going, party time. But all roads lead to death with him. We know that as Christians, right? And it, this world would not be a fun place to be in. The key is see, we have many people running around claiming to know God. But here's the thing they claim to know the Word of God. But here's what you have to know you have to know the God of the Word. This is not about knowledge, it's about relationship, it's about intimacy. When you go through the fire, Jesus said, I'll be with you, right? When you go through the rivers, they're not going to overtake you. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. You can go out and get all kinds of ammunition and guns, and you could have food for 10,000 years, whatever. But I got to tell you, if it's fear that's running it, you'll lose it all. But I'm telling you, God will take care of you. I believe, looking at Haggai chapter 2, that the church is gonna be so glorious that people are gonna run to it before the rapture of the church. There's something in us that no other generation in the church has had because we're living at this time. So, in other words, this is not an escape theology. This is an acceleration theology. You know, my daughter, when she was in school, uh, when she was in high school, she ran cross-country. And, and, you know, cross-country, you kind of pace yourself. But when you see the finish line, your mentality changes if you're in a race. And you accelerate when you see the finish line right? She was a swimmer. And, and when you would, in the 500 or whatever, the different ones you did, when you'd see the finish line, man, you accelerate. It changes your mentality. And that's what my goal is for this, is to open up the Word of God you know, we talked about all the feast days. We went through all seven of them. They're called God's moeds, God's determined times. In other words, God's dress rehearsals. All these Old Testament feasts were God's dress rehearsals. And then we saw the next feast to be fulfilled is what? The Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. We, we are pretty clear there is a very, 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 very good chance that the rapture of the church will happen to fulfill that feast day. The thing is, am I here to tell you the day or the hour that the Lord's coming back? I can't tell you that. That is a floating holiday, but I believe the rapture of the church will happen during that time. What year, I don't know, but we're looking at some things that are very specific. I mean, it's crazy when you start to think of about a third of the Bible as prophecy. For every scripture in the first coming, and if you want to get really technical, you could say there's as many as eight for the second coming. It's, it's really amazing. But you need, our mentality has to change. And, and as never before, this world There's so many distractions, but I'm telling you, there's a place in Christ where you can live in the chaos of the world at peace and being led by the spirit of God, walking in the love of God, you know, walking in the strength of God, right? We walk by the faith of God, so let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. We went over this the last time. But I just want to read it this time. We're going to jump off. I really would like to finish this uh, today because I'm chomping at the bit to get into another st- study. I could teach a long time on the rapture because there's, there's just a lot. But I think we're, we're laying a pretty good foundation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So this is, this is making reference to the rapture of the church, but this day does, is not, we're going to see it's not to come as a thief to believers, it comes as a thief to unbelievers. For when they shall say peace, that means security in the Greek language, and safety, that means prosperity in the Greek language, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And as we looked at this Greek word, it means to be rescued out of one place And taken to another place. It literally means. This Greek word means to flee away. The root of this Greek word word means to vanish. But you brethren. Are not in darkness. See. Changing the mentality right. Her spirit is completely alive to God. She's like. That's preach it in baby right there. That's what she's saying. And it's blessing me. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. We are not to be surprised. It's, it's amazing because it says in other scriptures that in the last days, and these final days, scoffers will come and they will say, there's no real change coming. They've been saying he's going to come back forever. That's exactly what the word says. But I'm here to tell you, you know, and this is, you could say, man, pastor, you're boldly standing up. Absolutely boldly standing up. You're going to thank me one day. Even if you're sitting here and you're going, yeah, that's a bunch of baloney. You know, when we're up there, you're going to be like, whoa, that pastor, thank you. I'll be like, yeah. You don't thank me. That's all the Holy Spirit, right? So then it says in verse 9, or go to, actually, yeah, go over to, go to verse 9. We'll, we'll not cut this short. Let's just take our time and read these things. Verse 9, it says, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. In Jeremiah 30, verse 7, it calls the tribulation period, this Daniel 70th week, it calls it Jacob's wrath. We are not appointed to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ again. Look at verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Notice the word together. Part of this end time thing is you need to be together with believers. Right? Do you know right now in the church, it's really amazing we're seeing people really getting knit in and we're seeing other people walking away right we're still seeing the people that jump from church to church because they're trying to figure it out you know when i look at those people i could relate man i'm telling you when you're saying no to god in areas and you don't even know you're saying no something something usually never fits just keep praying for those people i do because have you ever been out of the will of god oh It's so much better to be in the will of God, right? There's nothing better than that. So now jump over. I want you to, and and we'll look at 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. This is a whole study in itself. 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. And now this is actually going to something new. So um, I haven't taught on this at all, but I really want you to see this. In this series. So Peter, in second Peter chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Verse 2, that you be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So Peter is kind of starting off this epistle and, or this chapter, and he's saying to these guys in verse 1 and 2, remember what I taught you when I was with you. That's kind of what he's saying here. Verse 3, knowing this, knowing this first, that there shall come... In the last days, scoffers, walking after their own lusts. Okay? Scoffers, walking after their own lust. But notice this word, last days. It's literally, it's the word that means the end of days. The final days. This is the same word that is used in 2nd timothy chapter 3 verse 1 where it says this know also that in the last days or final days perilous times shall come and that word perilous in the greek means dangerous difficult and strength reducing days well guys for us we could simply read it perilous days are here we're living in the final days so they're here right now. Dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing days. Satan is behind the scenes trying to reduce your strength. But there is nothing to fear for us because we have God. We're in his kingdom. He's our provider. He's our protector. His very presence dispels darkness. So in other words, this is dec- this is. Literally describing the climate of the last days. I'd love to tell you this climate is going to get better, but it's not going to get better. But now I want to say that and I want to be very clear. Well, then, Pastor, why should we even pray? No, 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 no. We know that it's God's will that we live a peaceable life. We know that. The word says that. And he says, pray that you would lead a peaceable life. I believe the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us to prayer. What is prayer? It's a dialogue, it's, it's inviting God into a situation. And when you invite God into a situation, we need to pray that he raises up leaders, that he calls people into governmental offices, that he calls people to stand legal. In, in the legal arena. There's all this stuff. There's a lot that he will have us do to ensure that we live a peaceable life. But know that the climate is going to be parable, perilous. But we are to live a peaceable life in the midst of perilous. I could show you, and actually, if you, you want to really get into an extensive study on that, just go back and listen to everything I've ever taught. Because every service is the Word of God directing you what he's given you and then how to walk it out so that you walk as Jesus. Jesus lived in perilous times. But was he moved by them? No. Not at all. Do you know there's no way they could have taken his life. He had to lay it down. And the Bible says... Not even as Jesus was when he was on the earth, so are we. It says, as he is now, so are we. Because we, he's given us his authority. We have to know that. You are to walk through this world like a pit bull dripping with the love of God. Walking in the wisdom of God. Loving the unlovable, kicking Satan in the face every day. Right? So there's this side of you that just comes out and just loves people and shows them Jesus. And then every time a demonic force or Satan rears up his head, you're like a UFC fighter all over that. Right? So what a picture. Wow, pastor, come on. (laughs) Verse 4. Hey, it's the foolishness of preaching, guys, right? You know, hey. Verse 4. Look at what these scoffers... It says... Knowing this, verse three, first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. And these scoffers will walk after their own lusts and they will say, verse four, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So this verse is telling us what scoffers are going to say and here's the underlying message nothing's going to change that's a bunch of nonsense nothing's going to change oh no 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 a change is coming it's coming upon the whole earth it's coming upon the church wow we're going to go from faith to sight we're going to see them face to face but on the earth it's it's changing not in a good way right so many people are afraid of the book of revelation it's kind of funny because all they you know so many times guys when they teach on it they get real you know elaborate about the enemy but if you really look at it i you know you almost feel sorry for the antichrist in the in the book of revelation almost not don't feel sorry for him but but you know i mean it's like every time this guy turns around he's getting punched in the face And the whole book is all about how Jesus, the revelation in the book of Revelation is, listen, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. His kingdom will never end. It will only increase. And here's the revelation that we need to know as the church. Now the church isn't mentioned after chapter 4 verse 1 because we're raptured out of here. But those first three chapters, you got to know that whatever we face, he's greater than that. Right? So that's what they're going to say. Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. So now, isn't that interesting? Sometimes we think of ignorance as you're just ignorant. It's not your fault, you're just ignorant. But no, this they're willingly ignorant of. Interesting. That by the word of God the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Whereby the world, this is the word cosmos, the world system, that then was being overflowed with water, perished. Now you could just read that in English and think, oh, that's talking about Noah's flood. But the world didn't completely perish. Right? Because Noah and his family and some animals made it. This word perished in the Hebrews. It, put, it means to put out of the way entirely. To put to an end and to wholly destroy. So what is this talking about? This is talking about something that happened before the Genesis 1 account. It's interesting how in, in this passage of Scripture... Peter is saying, this is kind of elementary stuff. Everybody should know this. Right? So this is talking about something that happened before the Genesis 1. Look at at Genesis 1.1. Actually, they could put it up on the screen. Stay in in 2 Peter 3. I'll read verse 1 and 2 to you. Genesis account. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... Now, don't get afraid, because I went back to Genesis 1.1, right? (laughs) In the beginning... God created the heaven. In the Hebrew, the word means heavens. The first and second heaven which surround the earth, not the third heaven where God dwells. Right? That was already, that's already there. And the earth, and the earth was without form. Okay? In the Hebrew language it would read, and the earth became Without form. And this word form means a desolation, a void, a ruin, an emptiness. In the beginning, God creating, created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2. How much time was there between verse 1 and verse 2? We don't know. But somewhere, it became without form and void and it says and darkness was upon the face of the deep I love that scripture because darkness it literally means wickedness you just see Satan he completely he was cast to the earth and utterly destroyed everything and he's just floating around right just floating around Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the Spirit of God came and relaxed upon the face of the waters. See, in Isaiah 45, 18, it says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it and it says this he created it not in vain in other words he did not create it void he didn't create it formless he didn't create it in emptiness that word vain could be or that word vain could be translated chaos if you do the genesis account it's crazy if you go through the six days of creation And it says, and there was morning and there was evening. And the ancient Hebrew language, it literally talks about, and there was chaos and there was order the first day. And then he did something else. And there was chaos and there was order the second day. In other words, the whole creation, the six-day Genesis account, was God diminishing chaos and bringing order back to the earth. But Isaiah tells us in Genesis 1-1, when he created it, it had order. Now, what does this have to do? This scripture in 2 Peter 3, Peter was talking about this because this is a foundational thing, and he's talking about end times. Now end times. So it says here, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. So Peter is talking about this other world As elementary knowledge or common knowledge. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth which are now. This is talking about the Genesis account. By the same word are kept in store. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now verse 8 is what I want you to see. Because this is something that gives us a pattern for the whole Bible. He says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Beloved, don't be ignorant of this one thing. You are to know this, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So this foundational truth that you cannot be ignorant of is one day with God is like a thousand years on the earth the most ancient of all doctrines concerning the end of days that's what this is so spoken of this is heavily spoken of among ra- ancient rabbis of Judaism that's why Mo- or that's why Peter's saying this is elementary you should know this you can't be ignorant of this Moses, by the information given to him by God, passed on information that weeks of earth were types of God's dealings with mankind. There's seven days in a week, right? The same seven days of a thousand years or 7,000 years of God's dealing with mankind. That's a, this, is another, this is another pillar. We've established one pillar that we, we pretty much know. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that most likely the next feast to be fulfilled is the Feast of Trumpets. And that will be fulfilled by the rapture of the church. Okay, so we know this year it's September 6th through September 8th. This is a Shemitah year. This means this is the seventh year. So that's a year of rest. Okay, We looked at Daniel's prophecy. And Daniel's prophecy was a mathematical prophecy that we went really in depth in, in I believe the second session. We looked at Daniel's prophecy and we said that Gabriel told Daniel, listen, from the time a commandment is given to rebuild Jerusalem, until Jesus the Messiah, the Prince, will display himself to Israel on Palm Sunday will be exactly this many days. 69 weeks of 360 days. It will be exactly 173,880 days. And we know on March 14th, 445 B.C., Artaxerxes says, rebuild Jerusalem. If you go all the way, taking out all the leap years and things, the two most accurate things I've ever read would put you at A.D. 32 when Jesus would have entered Jerusalem. So he would have been crucified and resurrected. The church would have been birthed in A.D. 32. The other thing, some people really think, and it very much could be, A.D. 30. Because I've heard that when you look at those two documentation, they're both, it's like, I'm not a historian, but the only two that it could possibly be, and I could say this very frankly, is either he came out of the grave in April of A.D. 30 or April of A.D. 32. Okay, So we looked at that piece. Now we're looking at a piece. There's seven... Days or 7,000 years that God is going to deal with mankind. Now we know the seventh day is the millennial reign of Christ, that thousand-year period. So let's look at this. From Adam to Abraham was 2,000 years. The Bible says that very concretely. That's why, you know, like when you're reading the Bible... You know, usually you start, you want to start in the New Testament and you're reading. It's like, and he begat him and he begat him, you know, and you're just like, oh, this is horrible. (laughs) Right? But there's a reason for it because you could trace everything back. In the Old Testament, you could trace it all back. So we know from Adam to Abraham was two days to God, 2,000 years. From Abraham to when Jesus first came, when he was born in this earth right we know that was 2000 years or two more days we also know the last day the last day again is the millennial reign so there's just one 2000 year period left and that 2000 year period either started the church age started when jesus came out of the tomb it either started in april of ad 30 or april of ad 32 So right now, it's A.D. 2021. Do you see? then you say, well, yeah. See, see, we've been living in this watered-down church where we just, you know, yeah, I believe in God. What does that mean? Yeah, I go to church. What does that mean? No, this is all real. Do you know Jesus is really here today? Do you know he still heals today? He still delivers today. He's alive right? So if you look at this now, it literally, we're going to see that 2,000 years and and time is up. So if you take, let's just say AD 30, and you take 2,000 years, that's 2030. But oh, time out, you have to subtract the seven-year tribulation period. So that puts the rapture of the church Possibly at 2023. Or, if you have AD 32, plus 2,000 years is 2032, minus 7 is 2025. That tells me that we're living in the season. Right? So that's just another piece. So now, and we learn this from Daniel's 70th week, we know that Jesus... Started his earthly ministry in the fifteenth year of Tiberius's reign, which would have been in AD fourteen. So, so if you if you know he, or he, his reign started in AD fourteen, so Jesus's earthly ministry very much could have started or did start in AD twenty eight, and this is why it's real possible that it could be AD thirty when he came out of the tomb, right? But just for for sake of everything, 30 to 32. That puts the rapture at 2023 to 2025. That's close, right? So let's look at this. So now you need to realize, with end-time prophecy, the pivotal point in human history, when you're talking about human history, the pivotal point was the death Burial and resurrection of Jesus. That's the pivotal point. So now, jump over to Luke, for time's sake. Go to Luke chapter 21, because I want to bring this last piece to you about the parable that Jesus told. It's the parable of the fig tree. Okay? Because this is interesting, too. Luke, Are you guys doing okay? I hope I'm not freaking you out. I hope I'm exciting you. To see, if you see the finish line, start accelerating. And, and for all of us here, see, for some of you young people, you're thinking, what? Man, I'm young. No, no. You're going to do a whole life of ministry in just a very short period of time. Those of us who are older, little older, not old. We, none of us are old. Right? We don't get old as a mentality. That's, the, you know... Those of us who are more mature, right? We know the only difference between you guys and us, we look at 2023 and 2025 as, right? Isn't it crazy? It's April. As horrible as 2020 was, where did it go? It still flew by, right? I told Jeanette, man, I'm like, we hadn't been on a beach in a year. That's just wrong on many levels. And then we finally, we had to succumb and crucify our flesh and go to the Atlantic. No offense to the Atlantic. If you like brown water with no waves, it's all, it's all good. I'm just messing with you guys. No, actually, any, any, any ocean is good. But not like Pacific. True. Anyway, Luke 21:29. I'm getting myself in trouble. So now, this is Jesus talking about the fig tree. And he spoke to them a parable. Behold the fig tree. Now we know, it's very clear in scripture, that the fig tree represents Israel, the nation of Israel. And all the trees, what's that? These are other prophetic nations that are around Israel. It is amazing, after Israel became a nation, and I don't have time today to go into the other nations that blossom, they change their name, and all this stuff. It's really kind of amazing. But notice that this scripture, it says, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. Notice this is saying, Look at Israel. Notice it's not saying, Look at the church. Man, if you were to look at the church, you'd think Jesus is never coming back. Right? But the Bible doesn't say, Look at the church. The timepiece is Israel. And the timepiece specifically Jerusalem, right? So, Israel is our timepiece. Verse 30, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. So whenever Israel shot forth, became a nation... You know that summer is at hand. Now we won't go through the prophecies in Isaiah. Isaiah said that this nation would be birthed in a day. And it was. May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation. In one day. You know how many other nations have ever done that? In all of human history? None. Only one. Right? And you saw it in your lifetime. My mother-in-law was born in 1940. She's that. She saw that. I'm born in 1962. I saw that, right? Sarah's born in 1994. She saw that. In our lifetime, we saw Israel become a nation. 2,500 years, and then boom, right? It says, "So likewise, ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand." In other words, when you see Israel become a nation, know that change is coming. Change is coming. Jesus is coming back for his church. Jesus is coming back to the planet to establish his kingdom. Verse 32, verily I say unto you, this is a big statement, this generation shall not pass till all Be fulfilled. And if you study the context of what he's saying, all that would include the second coming. This generation, the generation that saw Israel become a nation, will not pass until everything is fulfilled. Wow. Now, if you want to put that disclaimer, the question has to be what is a generation? Right? The reason why the guy wrote the book in 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. He was brave enough to, to write another book about 89 reasons why he's coming back in 89, but then we never heard about from the guy since then. I have no idea what happened to him. But he was thinking a generation was 40 years. As far as I could tell, so if you look at this, Psalm chapter 90, and maybe we could put this on the on the. Uh, on this board here psalm 90 verse 10 it says this is the closest scripture that i could see to defining a generation in the bible but it says the days of our years are three score years and ten so that's 70 years and if by reason of strength they be four score years or 80 years yet is their strength labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away so that's a that's you know so but but I'm telling you if you if you look at this so May 14th 1948 and then you go now now this is what's really funny if you look at the what they say, the life expectancy overall, it's really hard to find this number because every, every country's different, but right now in the world, the average life expectancy is just under 80 years. It's really kind of funny how, you know, it, it's grown from 70, now it's to about 80 years. But let's just put that mathematical multiplier in. So you have 1948, let's just say 80 years, that's 2028 minus seven and you have ooh. now we're getting interesting right 2021 is that possible yeah I think so I don't know about you when it hits six o'clock in Jerusalem on September 6th I'm going to get up in that morning I'm going to be like Lord I am looking for you my wife and I we kind of live Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah we do And you know, when when he didn't come back last year, we're like, okay, we know we're close. We know, you know, so we're running hard. And if he doesn't come back this, this year, which is possible, do you know what has to be fulfilled before Jesus takes his church out of here? Nothing. There's nothing that has to be fulfilled. The next prophetic event is the rapture of the church. Why am I saying that? Is it going to be in 2021? Could it possibly be 2023? Could it possibly be 2025? I don't see how it could be past 2025. We are in the season of his coming. Even preaching that, you could just just feel like people are like, you know, I know it, but I just, yeah, that's just, I, I can't. No, no, you're living in supernatural times. So expect supernatural things in your life. This is huge. So let's go on. The next signpost, though, is Jerusalem. Now, in May 14th, 1948, when they became a nation, they only took control of half of Jerusalem. But in the six-day war, which happened in June of 1967, supernatural war. I can't remember the show, but they interviewed these Israelis. There was one, one Israeli soldier in a tank, and he saw there was like 88, almost 90, 100 tanks from Egypt coming, and he's just like, that's it, you know, I'm just giving my life. And he goes, and he's firing and all of a sudden, he sees a commander walking to him. They interviewed him. I don't even think the guy's a Christian. And he's like, the, the commander comes to him and says, "We're here to surrender. We we we're we're, we're done." And he's like, uh, he's he, he's like, "Are you are you the the leader?" And, and he's like, "No, I'm just a guy in a tank." And he's like, they're like, "Well, take us take us to your leader, because we're done." You know. Uh, and, and he's kind of like, he's kind of just going, it's only me. But the Egyptians said that they saw tanks everywhere that were firing on them all night. It's, I mean, you, the interviews are amazing. God supernaturally, that six day war, they got control of Jerusalem. And when that happened, it's this scripture was fulfilled. Luke 21, 24. Luke 21, 24 says, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and they shall be led captive into all nations. When did that happen? AD 70, Titus conquered Jerusalem. Jesus prophesied, killed over a million Jews and scattered every other, every other Jew all over the world to ensure that that nation would never come back together It says they were led captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles. That word Gentiles means nations until the time of the Gentiles or nations is fulfilled. That took place in your lifetime. I was five years old in 1967. It's called the Arab-Israeli War. The times of the Gentiles was completed when this event happened. This is telling us that the timer is up when you see the Jews get control of Jerusalem. So now let me read this to you. First Thessalonians chapter 4. So we're seeing all through Scripture, I, I don't know of another s- prophecy or Scripture that would lead me to believe that we could be further than 2025. There's just nothing else there. Everything is pointing. Now, what's really crazy is for the first time in human history, in 2020 and now in 2021, all the nations for this Ezekiel 38-39 conflict that will happen right after we're out of here, where Russia comes down and invades Israel and is supernaturally defeated, that's going to happen right before the tribulation starts. And all the nations, for the first time in history, are there, and they're fortifying. I mean, it's crazy what Russia's doing. It's starting to be really crazy what China's doing. You're going to see things this year. I mean, they're starting to get a little freaked out about World War III. Well, this is all coming to a head here. But know this, church. You have nothing to fear. Because we're protected. You're a child of God. No man takes your life. You don't have to worry about anything. He's your protector. He's your provider. But I'm telling you, get rid of the distractions. Because there's a Mount Everest that will come up in your spirit about what you're to do for him. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you have so much power in you, in Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Those are people who went on to be with the Lord that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is called the rapture of the church. This word caught up, it's the Greek word harpazo. It means to catch up, to snatch away, to carry away. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then look what it says. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, God knew what we would be dealing with right before his coming. He knew that we would have to comfort one another with these words. We got to keep our eye on the ball, man. We got to, you know, what is God telling you to do? This is not the time to be playing church, right? It says in verse 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the second coming of Jesus to the earth. And by our gathering together unto him. That is the first part of the second coming when we're, captured, when we're caught away. Does that, does that make sense? Verse 2. That you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ, the second coming, is at hand. This word is at hand, that phrase. It means to be upon, to be present. It means to be instant. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Now this is really interesting. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That is talk, the man of sin, the son of perdition. This is reference to the Antichrist. The Antichrist is alive today. He's ready to be revealed. He's ready to come public. But there's something that's keeping him. And that's the church. The very presence of those Christians that know their authority, that are walking by in the faith of God, by the faith of God, in the love of God, right? We're keeping him from being revealed. So look at this. There come a falling away first. Now, this is the Greek word apostasia. This word means a defection, a forsaking. This word also means a departure. This word can also be translated a catching away. So it could be translated a slow forsaking. It could be translated this way, like a slow departure. It could also be translated a catching away. So now if I apply this, well, what is it? It's both. In hermeneutics, which is the art and science of biblical interpretation, I don't want to bore you with all that, but when there is a passage of Scripture, if it's talking specifically about a departure like this, and, it, and it, the whole context is about that, then you would translate that word that way. If it's talking about a catching away only, and you could see that in Scripture, then it's, it means that. But if it doesn't mention that, it means both. And we're, we're living right now in this time. We're living in the time when we're about to be caught away. But what we're seeing in the church is a slow departure. I've been seeing it for the last five years. It's gotten worse every year. It's really kind of amazing. It's really interesting. People that once went to church just don't go. You talk to them, they want nothing to do with God. They they just, you know, they just they they just don't don't do that anymore. This departure. It says here, and then the man of sin will be revealed. In other words, the Antichrist is revealed on day one of the tribulation. So now let's look at verse four. Who is this Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he is God, sits in the temple of God showing himself to be God? That happens halfway through the tribulation. One thing we don't know is we don't know how long After the rapture of the church, I always thought rapture happens and tribulation starts right away. But the Bible doesn't say that. There might be a little space of time between the time we're taken out and when everything starts. Verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. In other words, what's withholding the Antichrist? The answer to that question, remember when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know what's withholding him. The disciples of Christ that exercise their authority are keeping the Antichrist from being revealed. Verse 7, for the mystery, this is, the Greek word means a, the secret or system of iniquity does already work. So there's this system of iniquity, of lawlessness. It's already at work. It was at work in Paul's day. It's at, it, is, is there a system of lawlessness at work right now? Oh my goodness, as never before. It's now become global. And with technology it's total control, right? But this system, this system of iniquity, it's, it's always at work. Only he who now lets will let. And this word let means holds back. Only he who now, who is that? The church is holding this system back, keeping the Antichrist from coming until he be taken out of the way. In other words, the church has to be removed for the Antichrist. This is another reason why I believe in a pre-trib rapture. You're not going to have the Christ and the Antichrist together. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So, I want to finish with this, guys. So, we've looked at some things. Could it be 2021? Could it be 2023? If it's 2021, we've got April, May, June, July, August, September, six months, right? If it's 2023, we've got two and a half years. If it's 2025, we've got four and a half years. Could it be that simple? Do you know God is a revealer? Yes. We're in the season, so we accelerate. We see the finish line. Listen, here's a great intro. When you have relationship with people that you love, friends and family, sit down with them and say, hey, listen, can I talk to you? You know, pray for an open door and say, listen, I'm a Christian Can I just tell you why I believe what I believe? Because, yes, you know the world's crazy. And I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. And God loves you and has a plan for your life. Can I just share with you why I believe what I believe? And if they say no, say okay. Well, if if that ever changes, please know I want to. But don't be distracted. Don't be afraid of people to get upset at you. Remember, we don't ever push people to Christ. We lead them. But we don't have a lot of time. And also expect God to move. See, you change your mentality because you could see the finish line. The mentality now is, with God, all things are possible. So for some of you, the mentality change is, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Because it'll change your life because you'll start to get to know God. So let me read this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 51. If the word of God says, Behold, I show you a mystery, and here it is, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Notice it does not say, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but those of us who are really spiritually mature are all going to be changed. Doesn't say that, does it? It says we are all going to be changed. So how many are going to go in the rapture of the church? Now there is some very, very well-respected people that I very greatly, great men of God, who have spent their life studying end-time prophecy, that believe that not, all, not every Christian is going in the rapture, only those that are really walking with the Lord. And to that I give them this scripture. Because where would the line be? Could you imagine? You've lived a perfect life. You're, you're walking, and then, man, you kick the dog, or you say something bad to your spouse, or you gossip about somebody, and then uh, then there's this big disappearance, and you 're here. That makes no sense with God there's never there, there's no variableness in him. there's no shadow in him. He is very clear. Not all of us are going to sleep. I venture to say in this room, I don't know that any of us are going to sleep. That means. That means die physically and go to be with the Lord. We're going to be reverse bungee jumped, right? <laughs> You'll get that in a minute. It's a, but, you know, we're going to be changed. What does that mean, changed? Look at this. In a moment, which means, this, it's the Greek word atomos. It's an indivisible amount of time. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, that's why I believe it's the Feast of Trumpets. Because during the Feast of Trumpets, they blow a hundred trumpet blows with the shofar. The priest will come out randomly at different times, and he will blow. Nine different times he'll blow eleven trumpet sounds. But then he will come out. Nobody knows the time, and he'll blow. It's louder and longer, and it's called the last trump. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. Pastor Mark thinks, for the saxophone will sound, (laughs) right? And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So in other words, God's going to bring all the DNA of every person together and they're, and they're, they're going to be up in the air with Jesus, the ones who have died before us, and their body is going to come, and they're going to have an incorruptible body. a glory. It'll be their body. They'll look like they look. You know, my mom's been in heaven for two years. I know exactly what she looks like. I have a picture of her when she was about 30 years old. She doesn't look like she looked when she was 70-some years old. She kind of looks like that. Just no wrinkles, no nothing, right? Because she's got a glorified body. And it says, and we shall all be, and we shall be changed. Verse 53, for this corruptible, the dead in Christ, must put on incorruption. And this mortal, the ones living on the planet, must put on immortality. I don't know about you. I am ready to put on immortality. I already got immortality in my spirit, but man, I want it in my body. I'm thinking I know that there's going to be a special type of dunk of a basketball that I'm going to come up with in heaven and I'm going to be able to do it. Right? And this mortal shall put on immortality. So look at this. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. I hope you're getting excited right now. And this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. It says in verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? That's your future, guys. We are an end time church. God loves you. And he's going to personally see you from here to there. Amen? You're going to walk in wisdom that you never thought possible. There's ministries that are to be started. There's, see, let's say that God calls you to an area of influence in the world. Maybe he calls you to do something politically. Do you know the wisdom? Everything will be there. God will open the doors. This is why we must pray. This is why we must get all the distractions out of our life. Fix our eyes on Jesus and become and just walk out who we are. Amen.